Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the bigger picture. I'm Imad Akhtar. Gold has been one of the biggest winners since Hamas attacked Israel earlier this month, rising more than 9% as demand for haven assets increased. It's likely to continue benefiting should tensions increase as investors up bets on a spillover into the wider region, which is crucial for global energy supplies. But gold fell from above $2,000 an ounce yesterday after breaching the threshold for the first time since May on Friday, as Israel's ground invasion of Gaza appeared to be more cautious than it had initially vowed. Also making headlines are the Fed's upcoming FOMC meeting, as well as currency movements. To tell us more, we have on the line with us now Vasu Menon. He's the Managing Director of Investment Strategy for OCBC Bank. Vasu, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning and thank you for having me on the show. You're very, very welcome. Vasu, let's kick things off with the Israel-Hamas conflict. It is indeed showing no signs of slowing down. Gold prices have declined slightly. Is this a temporary slide given that we might expect a long, drawn-out affair? Well, you know, with gold, it's very difficult to predict with a high degree of precision and conviction as to where exactly it's headed. Mm. Because, you know, geopolitical events, you see lots of twists and turns. If there's greater geopolitical uncertainty, then, you know, that makes gold more appealing and sends it higher. But more than that, gold is also driven by other factors like, for example, the direction of the U.S. dollar and also U.S. bond yields and interest rates. Mm. So if you look out over the next uh, 12 months, 18 months, uh, if you take a medium-term view towards gold, then, you know, some of these political uncertainties may not go away anytime soon. They could become fixtures very much like Ukraine, and the markets become, uh, to some extent, desensitized to it. But more than that, I think if you look out into the end of 2024, it's possible that the U.S. could slip into a recession, inflation could cool, interest rates could come down, the Fed could eventually pivot to a dovish stance and even cut rates. And that usually benefits gold because, you know, gold offers zero carry, and when interest rates are headed south, which, which obviously is not happening now, but it could happen late 2024, early 2025, then, you know, that enhances the appeal of gold, along with the weaker U.S. dollar that benefits gold. But our view towards gold is that you should always have some of it in your portfolio, treat it like an insurance policy for any major events, unexpected events that can happen around the world. And we are living in a very uncertain world, without doubt. Keeping gold as a key insurance policy during times of uncertainty is very significant indeed. Another key commodity that investors are keeping their eye on is, of course, oil prices. The World Bank yesterday expected global oil prices to average around 90 US dollars a barrel in Q4 and fall to about 81 USD in 2023. How do you see this playing out in the coming months? We agree. We tend to concur with what the view is from the World Bank. We think that the next three months is uh, a little bit uncertain. You know, essentially what's happening in the Middle East will continue to support oil prices. No doubt oil prices came off yesterday because, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you know, the Israeli incursion into Gaza has been more cautious than anticipated. Right. But, you know, nevertheless, twists and turns with geopolitical events. Now, things can change. Change for the worse, you know, oil prices could bump up once again. And looking out into 2024, as you mentioned earlier, prices coming off to like $80 a barrel or $81 a barrel. I mean, we sort of concur with that view because if the economy slows down, the U.S. economy slows down, advanced economies slow down next year against the backdrop of high interest rate, that is clearly going to hurt demand. And that will, in turn, cause prices to come off. But let me just highlight this. Although prices are coming off, they're not going back down to the levels of $30, 40 or even $50 a barrel. Mm. We're talking about, you know, still 80 
$81 a barrel, $80 to $85 a barrel, which is relatively high compared to history. Let's move our attention now to the upcoming FOMC meeting. And for a change, Vasu, the Fed policy statement is the number two event this coming Wednesday because markets are keeping a keen eye on the Treasury Department's new borrowing plan, which is actually due ahead of that FOMC decision. Now, the announcement is expected to reveal the extent to which the Treasury will ramp up sales of longer-term debt. That's to fund its widening budget deficit. Now, we've seen the sell-off so far sending yields to the highest level since before the global financial crisis. What impact will this new borrowing plan have on yields going forward, you think? Well, you know, the U.S. Treasury actually revealed the estimates, all right, for the fourth quarter last night. I mean, they will follow up with a statement on Wednesday. So more details will be in the statement. But, you know, from what was indicated last night, the estimated borrowing for the fourth quarter this year is expected to come off on the previous estimate. Previously, they were looking at, uh, in July, they were estimating that fourth quarter funding needs would be about $852 billion U.S. dollars. And that's been reduced to $776 billion. But nevertheless, you know, the $776 billion is still the highest historically for the fourth quarter. And next year, I think the Fed is, uh, sorry, the U.S. Treasury is looking at the number going up, you know, to more than $800 billion once again. So, yes, clearly the U.S. budget deficit has increased significantly by 23% in fiscal year 2023 to almost $1.7 trillion. And that's a big issue. I mean, the U.S. government needs to fund it. And, you know, that means that more and more treasuries are going to be issued. The amount being issued will be large. And that is going to keep treasury yields uh, to some extent supported. But at least for now, it looks like the number is not going to be something that will spook investors. But I think going forward, it's something that will play on the minds of investors because of the very sizable U.S. budget deficit. Let's move on to the policy decision itself. I want to talk about what the impact on tech stocks might be if rates stay higher. Now, conventional wisdom suggests that rising rates will hurt tech and other growth stocks. But I was doing a bit of digging earlier and I found that recent history actually suggests otherwise. So tech stocks tend to fall in the early stages of tightening cycles, but rebound and recover losses later. How do you see this one playing out? Well, you know, tech stocks have been beaten down quite a bit already. Mm. And yesterday night, if you look at how the S&P 500 performed, it saw a nice little rally. I mean, up quite a bit, you know, and I think part of it, a lot of it is driven by tech stocks. You know, tech stocks went up by between 2 to 4%, and that helped the S&P 500 to actually regain some of the composure that it's lost so far this month, or at least, you know, until last Friday. So, you know, I think going forward, you're right. I mean, the initial increase in interest rates or the higher for longer interest rates will be deemed as negative for tech stocks because tech stocks are seen as long-duration assets. And long-duration assets tend to be more price-sensitive to rising interest rates and Mm. vulnerable to rising interest rates. But, you know, on the flip side, if you see a recession, then markets could gravitate once again to tech stocks because, you know, they are seen as, you know, something that all companies need to have to improve productivity, reduce costs. And this is exactly what we saw after COVID-19. I mean, post-COVID-19, you know, in the months uh, after COVID-19 broke out, tech stocks initially came off. And then, you know, they saw a very nice rebound because investors said, look, I mean, more and more companies are going to turn to the digital economy to reduce costs, improve productivity and So that could see uplift in tech stocks after an initial pullback. All right. We spoke about gold being an insurance policy during times of uncertainty, a safe haven asset, if you will. Another safe haven asset is the US dollar. Now, the greenback continues to be the favored currency for forex traders, despite all of the uncertainties surrounding the world at the moment, including the Russia-Ukraine war, energy crises and economic weakness. The term de-dollarization has been thrown around, but it still seems a pipe dream. What is the impact of a stronger greenback on Asian companies? The impact of a stronger greenback on Asian companies is not exactly positive. I mean, mm. because there are many Asian companies that have turned to the bond market, especially US dollar bond market, to raise funds for financing reasons. 
And so, you know, a stronger dollar means that, you know, their debt burden, the burden to service interest is going to uh, increase. And that puts more strain on Asian companies, especially the ones that have borrowed quite heavily in U.S. dollars. I mean, you, you see some of it happening with the Chinese property companies that have borrowed quite extensively in U.S. dollars, and they are feeling the brunt of the stronger U.S. dollar. But having said that, I want to highlight that in the next 18 months, 24 months, once the Fed turns more dovish, once inflation cools, and this could happen towards the end of 2024, perhaps even early 2025, then that's going to take some of the wind of the dollar and the dollar could start weakening once again. And that in turn could take some pressure off Asian companies and Asian markets that have been impacted negatively by the strong dollar. All right, Vasu, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me on the show. You're very welcome. We've been in conversation with Vasu Menon, who's the Managing Director of Investment Strategy for OCBC Bank. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.